Again, Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you that uh, you give us this lightness of spirit, that even when life presses down on us, that we have you to go to. Uh, that even the, as the external pressures squeeze and push and try to get nastiness out of us, we allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. So we thank you. Now, Father, as we move forward with this service, we ask you that you would be with us, uh, that your word would go forth with power, with uh, uh, bringing conviction and encouragement all at the same time. Let no one be the same in this place as they entered in. Therefore, we come against every single imagination, Every single high thing in this place today uh, that refuses uh, to allow us to commune with you in your word. So may your anointing break the yoke of despondency. May your blessed hand, Lord God, break the back of the adversary who tries to run interference on your word. Let God be true and every man a liar. So we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. We lift up our most holy God, the Lord God Almighty. We lift him up today. To you we exalt you, Lord God. There is none other like you in heaven or on earth. So we ask you uh, that your spirit would go to and fro in this place today. That your spirit would go to and fro to every single person that hears this message. And that you would grip us all, Lord God, with the conviction, Lord God, of come running to you. So we love you. And we submit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is something about all of us which we may not be aware of. In other words, we get a sense about some things, you know what I mean? Uh, but yet, uh, there are some things that we can lack clarity on. Uh, we can't quite pinpoint those things all the time which drive us, our emotions, our, our passions our desires. We can't always pinpoint them with accuracy. We just know that there's something going on. An example of this would be something like wanting something to eat, right? Uh, I need something to eat. Have you ever craved for food but not really know what you wanted? Have you ever been there before? And you know how it is. You go to the kitchen or wherever you are and you just start eating stuff. Uh, you eat this and no, that ain't it. Are you eat a little bit, a bit of this and say, no, that ain't it. Because you, we're looking for that one thing that will satisfy that internal uh, hunger craving. But when we start off on that journey, uh, we may not always know exactly what that is. We just get this sense inside of us. So what do we do? Well, we binge eat. We get full, and then when we're finally eating and we're finally full, we still are not satisfied. In today's message, 
we will focus on a yearning of a different type. It is that desire all people have, and that is to be connected with spiritual things. Some simply call it a being spiritual. But a definition or description of being spiritual today is something that includes a mixture of all type of religious and, and pseudo-spiritual activities. But two things being spiritual oftentimes uh, uh, have uh, in its midst and at its core. One is humanism. Humanism. Uh, the other is non-judgmentalism. Well, I just believe that I'm spiritual because I don't judge anyone. That's one of the, one of the, uh, the type of lingo that they use. And the other is that, well, I am, I am definitely spiritual because I just love everybody and people can do whatever they want to and whatever they decide to do in their own, in the eyes of their own mind, then they're okay with me. So you can be guaranteed this, that those who say that they are spiritual are two things that they will say. And that is they lift up the human spirit and the other thing is that they will lift up themselves as being non-judgmental. So being spiritual is something like a spiritual buffet. That you go to this grand spiritual smorgasbord and you can pick and choose whatever you want. And no, I don't like this. Uh, oh, but I do want a little bit of this on my plate. Uh, or no, I don't like this right here. And then when you finish, you check out and you say, this is my spiritualism. You see, when you go to the being spiritualism buffet... You don't have any regard of whether what you select is good for you or not. Uh, I was, uh, last evening, I was at a place and, and they happened to feed us and they fed us very well. But one thing I noticed, that everything that they gave me was not necessarily that good for me. Man, they gave, they gave me all the things I really, really like, like chicken, uh, like roast beef. Uh, they had uh, sausage on the plate. Uh, they had pasta. Uh, they had potatoes. They even had a big giant uh, ship of gravy to pour over all my little stuff there. And then they had about a tablespoon of uh, mixed vegetables. Sometimes when we make our own spiritual buffet plate, we have a tendency to load it with all those things that we know are not good for us. I submit to you that the desire to be spiritual is good in, 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 in a small sense, but just simply being spiritual, uh, being a spiritual person, that it falls short in several areas. That main area that it falls short in, short in is in the area of truth. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 22. Romans chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God... For images resembling mortal man and birds 
and animals and creeping things. You see, no matter how you shake it, uh, people have always had an innate desire to be connected spiritually. Uh, so uh, since the very beginning of God creating Adam and Eve, all of mankind has some type of innate desire uh, to be connected with this grand spiritual divineness greatness of a person. Uh, Romans uh, 1, 22, 23 it begins us on this journey as it says that some people have rejected the truthfulness of the living God and exchanged it for anything else but the living God. So in other words, uh, we believe that there is a God, but we reject you, and instead I'm going to worship the tree. Yeah, there might be this great God who created everything, but instead uh, there's a cow over there. I'm going to worship the cow, and then I'm going to eat them. Uh, it, it takes the place of saying, yes, there is a Lord, but since I can't see him, uh, my preference is to worship uh, that little snake or lizard that's on the ground because I can see him. Well, this is not a recent phenomenon, but has been around since mankind has rejected God's ways. Now look at the Egyptians and the various gods they worship and were created to the imaginations of their own minds with the help, I must say, of demonic spirits. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, that they had some help uh, from demonic spirits uh, that basically told them it's okay to worship a lizard. That's okay. Demonic spirit said, yeah, that got to be good if you go ahead and you put a, a head of a person on top of a lion. Uh, yeah, these are your guardians. That's okay. From birds and lions with the head of humans to snakes and trees which seem to become the focal point of their affections. But yet, even though that this may be true, we must not discount people. We must reject all the small g gods, amen, in favor of the one big g God. But let us look at the Lord's view of those who search for spiritual things among things that are not spiritual. In our desire to connect with God, people have redefined what it means to be spiritual. Take a look at Psalm 135. Psalm chapter 135, verse 15. This is what God thinks of all those who have uh, uh, concocted this uh, menagerie of small g gods to worship them. Psalm 135, verse 15. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of humans' hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all those, all who trust in them. 
You see that God says uh, people, uh, they make up their own gods with their own hands and then they worship them. Then God says they become just like them. How so? He says they have eyes they can't see. They have ears and they can't hear. So in other words, uh, the idea is that when God begins to speak to these people who are worshiping all these other things, what he says is uh, these people, they have eyes, but they can't see me. He says they have ears, but yet they can't hear my word. So that's why God says that uh, those who make them become like them. They can't see God and they can't hear God. Now, with the ability to be creative, people use uh, this God-given gift uh, in ways which shut out the Lord himself. So what folks are really saying is that uh, they are spiritual, but they want to act any way they want without being directed by God. That's the bottom line. You're trying to figure it all out. That's what they're saying when people say I'm being spiritual. I don't want the Bible to direct me unless I decide I want it to direct me. I don't want a preacher to direct me unless I want the preacher who I think is representing God to direct me. No, I don't want any of that unless I decide, unless I make a decision on whether or not if it is true to move on. Other than that, it's entirely up to me. But yet I am spiritual, they'll say. Well, you say, are you still kind of talking way out there, preacher? Come on with it. Come on with it. Well, here you go. This past Thursday on the Arsenio Hall show, one of his guests was Russell Simmons. You know him, the uh, a creative business mind behind hip hop. Uh, one of the quotes uh, uh, quoted of Russell Simmons was this. Uh, this is from MTV, if you're wondering says this, and I quote, Simmons ensured that his artists remain as uncompromisingly rebellious as possible. You hear what I'm saying now? He says that he wanted to make sure all of his artists remain rebellious. So uh, as uh, during this interview, as Russell Simmons, as he sits there, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, first shot of him, I, the first thing I noticed were these beads around his neck. And I looked at the beads and I said, this guy is Buddhist. Of course, through my research, find out that it is definitely true. And many of you have, may have already known this. So one of the reasons that he was on the show was to, in a way, to promote his book on meditation. He began to say, you know, some of the pro in essence, in some, some of the problems in the world, you can't quote me on this, but this is, if you put it in a nutshell, this is what he's saying, uh, that some of the problems in the world was that people can't meditate, that people need to get centered. Centered on what? Centered on what? But when he, when he sat there, I have to admit, man, he seemed calm. I, I admit to you, he seemed calm. And he seemed steady. It's like, oh, I, I see why, you know, he's got all this money now. He's able to you know, promote his thing and he seems all calm and all steady. And then all, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these things that began to come out of his mouth. And obviously they were curse words because, uh, because every other word was being bleeped out 
by the whoever uh, manages that type of thing is being bleep, 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 bleep. This person that seems so calm and talk about people need to get centered, all of a sudden, all this stuff, uh, it just it seemed like it threw it right out the window. Uh, even if he was calm, even, he, even if he didn't say those things, uh, it still does not make that practice true. And of course, Arsenio, he joined in with them and, and uh, they were being edited out left and right. Bleep, bleep this, bleep this, bleep that, bleep that. And they, of course, were not biblical uh, because uh, every other word was bleep this and bleep that. And then Arsenio asked him a question about you know, uh, about his use of all these sexual innuendos and so on and so forth in his rap. And you know, he said, you know what he said? He says, well, I, I believe all my artists need to, do need to calm down and they need to get centered on all things because all those things are really not just, they're really not right the way they treat women. Uh, so I, I suggest all of my artists get it right. You think that's what he said? No, he didn't say that. In essence, he said that, you know, it's okay. He says, since a man thinks about sex every whatever time frame that he gave, he says, then it's okay to talk about sex and show sex on television and on videos. This right here, I want you to know, is an indicator of a deprived mind. Uh, why? Because it runs contrary to what the word of God says. Right? All you have to know is a little bit about the Bible to know that, you know, well, that's not right. That's not how God sees women. Uh, that women are not supposed to be this object of, of soul sexual focus because it promotes immorality. So it appears that his spiritual practice lasts long enough until he can do uh, what he wants to do and say what he wants to say. In other words, when you can appear to be connected with spiritual things, yet depart from them without excuse, then what is spiritual is the work of your hands. You see, deep down inside of us, all of us, there is a need to be connected to God. When there isn't a revelation of who God is, people may invent their own personal gods. Consider the Hindus or the primitive religious practicing individuals from all over the world who have thousands and thousands of gods. Many of them do believe there is one great and divine God, but he simply does not care. So therefore, he has removed himself uh, from all the activity of the earth. So they are left to contend with all the local gods, uh, the gods of the grass, the gods of the trees, the gods of the car, the gods of the air, the gods of the corn, the gods of this. And you go on and on and on. Everybody got a god and each house has their own god as well. That yearning on the inside of us says we must be connected with God. But many just don't know how to do it. Even those who once had a vibrant relationship with the Lord feel like they have now been all dried up. The presence and power of the Lord, which they sensed in a powerful way uh, since that first day, they said, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, that all that zeal, all that zest uh, for uh, your presence, Lord God, it has disappeared somehow. 
And then soon, as indicative of those far away from the Lord, they are pulled away by the dictates of their own hearts because they don't know if God still hears them. Their spiritual inner self has been compromised by the interference of darkness. And there is no other way of putting this. So those who have this deep-seated need to connect with God are deceived as they substitute God for a concoction of their own minds and a concoction of their own hands. But one thing about God, and that is he wants to connect with you, and God wants to connect with me. Uh, even with all the hatred that we have for God, God wants to connect with us. Two verses. The first is Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. And the second is Romans chapter 5, verse 10. The first, Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. God's intention when creating us was for us to be near him. Why did God create us? Uh, this is one question people have asked since the very beginning of time. Is it wrong for you to ask the question? No, go ahead and ask it. God, why did you create me? No, that's okay to ask the question. It makes sense because God not only created us, but he also gave us a mind to ask the question. And this is one of the things that separate us from the animal world. Of course, scientists, they're trying to figure out, well, how can we see if a gorilla thinks? How can we see if a, uh, a chipmunk thinks? Because if we can say that a chipmunk thinks like a person thinks, then there is no inherent difference between uh, human beings and animals. That's what they're trying to say. But one thing to be sure there are no monkeys, there are no cows standing around talking about why am I here. They're, trust me, they're just swinging tree to tree and just living their life just like the ants. So yeah, they have uh, some type of capacity beyond ants, uh, but in essence, there are, they are living uh, kind of like day to day. They're not thinking about their future. They're not thinking about what they're going to be when they grow up. They're not thinking about retirement. God created all things for his good pleasure. When you are sovereign, you get to do things your way. So regardless of who you are, God created you for his good pleasure. God created you for his good pleasure. Rick Warren says in his book, Purpose Driven Life, and I quote, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. Far greater than your own personal uh, peace of mind and even greater than your own happiness. It's greater than your family, he says. Greater than your career. 
even the wildest, your wildest dreams and ambition. He goes on to say, if you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. And finally, he says, you were born by his purpose and for his purpose. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So we were not created by God to be shunned or rejected by him. This is not and was not his intent, and he made it clear throughout Scripture. The Bible bears this out as it uses language like, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that they may know I am the Lord. This is language that God uses throughout Scripture to describe his desire to be near you, to be near me. Even in the Garden of Eden, God asked Adam, where are you, Adam? God was not judging Adam. He was just saying, look here, Adam, every day at this time, you used to sit down with me and talk, to, talk with me, and now here I am. I'm sitting down at the table or, or sitting on the couch ready to have this conversation, and you ain't here. Adam, where are you? God called Adam to commune with him like he always did, but this time Adam did not show up as planned. You see, when we don't show up to commune with God, he straightaway knows there's a problem. You hear what I'm saying? When you don't show up to commune and fellowship with God, God already knows there's a problem. Being made in God's image means we need his touch. Babies who are born uh, and who uh, begin to develop without regular interaction uh, among humans, they die. And those who manage to survive somehow, they are emotionally scarred for the rest of their life. So babies, human beings that cannot connect with other human beings uh, from the time of birth, that they end up malformed for the rest of their lives. Without the Lord, all of us, we die. We gradually die on the inside, and eventually we die eternally. Without the Lord, we all live emotionally scarred lives. But we are reconciled with God through the death of his son. Again, taking a look at this, we discover how important this act was for God and for us. Only one with a great sense of love would do something as extraordinarily as this. He says, Paul does here in Romans 5.10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Why would God do that for us? Why? Because he loves us. Think about it. Think about it. That someone would put their life on the line for, for me? That God, who is all perfect, righteous, and just, that he would put his life on the line for us? Come on, don't gloss over this. Don't just gloss over this as some type of uh, theological or biblical mandate. Think about it. 
while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. On this, our entire spiritual security hangs. Again, his mercy is not only true in the New Testament, but also true of the Old Testament as well. So, uh, we were made in God's image and for his good pleasure. Uh, he made us by placing a spiritual organ in us which only responds to him. You get that? We need a heart, right, to live. We need a brain to live, right? We need all these other things inside us to live. So when God created us in his image, he created us with something inside of us that said, you've got to get connected with me. You have to be connected with me. Something inside of us, and this is why people all over the world are turning to all this other mess, saying, this must be God. Oh, no, that ain't it. Oh, this must be God. And some are losing their lives in their quests. Why do some people ignore him altogether? Because they regretfully turn in the wrong direction seeking answers other than what God has already provided for them. God provides a clear answer, and they say, that, that's not it. Under the law, God, he provides this way to be in covenant with him, and the people say, that's too hard. Under the grace of Jesus Christ, Jesus says, all you have to do is believe in me and you shall be saved. And what do people say? Oh, that's too easy. Sometimes we act like children who want their parents to cure them of boredom. Mom, Dad, I'm bored. We must respond to God with the revelation he has already clearly given to us. Through Christ, we have permanent access to God. Through Christ, we have permanent access to God. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. God's knowledge of us gives us access to him. God's knowledge of us gives us access to him. You know, you see a person who shows some type of interest to you in some way, it just, it just helps you to open up a little bit more. In other words, when you enter in a conversation with people, and if the person only talks about themselves from the moment that you begin the conversation to the end, you really don't want to talk to them very long. Because they just get on your nerve because you know deep down inside they're really self-centered. 
If the entire conversation only focuses on them, uh, you, you, you don't want to enter into that. So here Jesus, he takes interest in Nathaniel. In other words, he says, Nathaniel, I know you. I know you, Nathaniel. I know who you are. And so therefore, Nathaniel, he agrees with Jesus. He's basically saying that no one knows that about myself other than me. So you have to be someone special. You must be the son of God. You must be the king of Israel. So Jesus looks for people who simply would be honest about him and even honest about their own condition. Because Nathaniel, he said of Jesus, you know, uh, is there anything good that really comes out of that place? He wasn't trying to be nice because here's this guy that professed to be God, so on and so forth, whether or not he knew that or not. He basically spoke his mind to whoever he, he, he was speaking to. Jesus looked at Nathaniel and said he has no deceit. He was a person who told it like it is. Uh, he told the truth about things and would not sugarcoat his thoughts, not even his thoughts about Jesus. After Jesus said Nathaniel had no deceit and that he saw him in the tree, it opened the eyes of this man. My question for you is how many of us have heard God's word day in and day out and our eyes have never been opened? But Jesus wanted him to, be, to move beyond that place to a place where Nathaniel would be willing to follow him in this glorious relationship. You know, it's not just about information. Did you know that? It's not just about, oh, this is a cool saying. It's all about entering into relationship daily with the Lord. Why does Jesus want us to follow him? Why is it necessary to seek him with so many different alternatives available in the world? Well, simple as this, simply as this. Uh, Jesus is our point person to and from God. There is no other way. Now turn with me very quickly to Genesis chapter 28, verse 12. As a matter of fact, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read this through, uh, but you'll have a, uh, a passage to kind of hang your hat on. Genesis uh, 28, verses 12 and 4. Uh, you remember this story about Jacob. And he, re he dreams of seeing angels ascending and descending on a ladder. So one of the, the, the things he understood in his dream as God spoke to him, uh, that number one, it was definitely a God moment, right? He, in other words, he just didn't have uh, uh, too many slices of pizza before he went to sleep, and therefore all this grease on his stomach, and he's having all these wild dreams. You know what I'm talking about? God was behind the dream, and God would indeed be behind him as well. So in that very place, while Jacob had that dream, God would establish both Jacob and his offspring. He could get connected with God in that place. He ended up setting an altar there. Uh, Jacob was so taken aback uh, by this fact of what he's seen and what he heard that he called this place awesome. He said that God spoke to me here and I saw this vision in a dream, angels going up 
and down on a ladder, uh, Jacob said that this place is awesome and it can be no other than the house of God. He also said it was the gate of heaven. What do gates accomplish? They let things in and out. Amen. Uh, keep things in that you want in and keep things out that you don't want in. But this would be the gate of God. This would be that place where God set up as a location for people, for Israel to ultimately to have access to him. But now, back in John chapter 1, Jesus speaks to all who were listening and explains that he is that ladder. Can you see that? See, in verse uh, back there in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob said he saw a ladder and the angels were going up and down on the ladder. But here in John chapter 1 verse 51, uh, Jesus says that there are angels going up and down, but the ladder they're going up and down on is him. So in other words, Jesus is bringing revelation to the vision that Jacob had. Even though Jacob could see, he could not see all. Uh, there it is, right? Uh, even though Jacob could see, he could not see all. So uh, in John chapter 1, verse 51, Jesus brings that revelation and says that if there is any communication with heaven, I'm it. If you want to be connected with God, Jesus says, I'm it. If you want to talk to God, you have to talk to me. If you want to hear from God, you have to hear from me. There is no other way of communicating with God except through the ladder of Jesus Christ. This is the one thing that some get stuck on today. They get stuck on the place instead of the person. You hear what I'm saying? That some folks, they get stuck on, well, you really can't experience God unless you hear. Or you really can't experience God unless you hear. And Jesus says, wait a minute, I'm the ladder. And if I'm the ladder, I'm human, I'm God, I can move around. So wherever I am, there is communication with God. If you know Jesus Christ, you are connected with God. You don't have to go to a confession booth. You don't have to see a certain person. If you need to get connected with God, you go straight to him for yourself. Amen? Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Well, I hear you, some of you saying, there you go again. Turn with me to John chapter 4, verse 21. We have to read this. John chapter 4, verse 21. May you receive this revelation of God. John 4, verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. 
God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So here it is again that God, uh, Jesus Christ, he brings even more clarity. He says it's not about the place, but it's all about the person. Uh, for the revelation that Jacob had, he, was, he had it right. But again, Jesus is like he puts, uh, puts on a pair of glasses for us and we see more clearly now. Amen. So by him moving around, uh, Jesus moving around said, you can connect with me here, you can connect with me there. That does not bring instability. That means that Jacob said, here it is, right? Jacob said uh, that where the angels were going up and down and up and down on a ladder, he said, this is none other than the house of God, that this right here is the gate of heaven. So if Jesus is the ladder, Jesus also is the gate of heaven. Heaven. Oh, let's try it again. I don't think you don't think something you, you you're not there yet. Okay. So Genesis chapter twenty-eight. Uh, Jacob said that the angels were going up and down on a ladder, right, communicating with God. He said, "This is the house. This will be the house of God. This is none other than the gate of heaven. This is the place where God revealed Himself, where He will talk to us." Jesus now says in John chapter one verse uh, verse fifty one he now says that I am ego me in essence that I am the ladder uh, which means that if Jacob said the ladder that the angels were going up and down on was the gate of heaven Jesus is now saying that I am the gate of Jesus is the gate of heaven. Jesus is the gate of heaven. He is the, the first and the last, the middle and everywhere else, else in between way of communicating with God. Without Jesus, you don't have a chance. Where Jesus is, the Spirit of God is. Where the Spirit of God is, Jesus is. Where Jesus is, is the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of God is, is Jesus. Do you have the Spirit of God? Do you have the Spirit of God? Because uh, Scripture tells us in the book of Ephesians uh, that the Holy Spirit has sealed us with that promise. So if the Holy Spirit has sealed us with the promise that tells us that we should have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and where we are, Jesus should be, and where Jesus is, the Spirit of, the, of God is. Is this true of you? Is this true of you, brothers and sisters? Finally, I'm going to end with uh, one more scripture reading. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. The scripture it reads all the way through verse 23. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from all evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Amen. Let's pray.